Dish. I'm Stephanie Hansen. Hey, I'm Steph March. We are here for you. All things food, fun, fun. frivolity, frivolity, foo, 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 and chicken skins. And chicken skins. So <laughs> we much. Got, we have chicken talk today. Oh my we God, have yes. knife talk today. Restaurant week. Pizza talk. Steakhouse sides. How about that rectangle pizza? Ah, uh, shout out. Woo, woo. You guys, rectangle pizza is the best pizza in the country, according to three people on Good Morning Good America. Morning, America. <laughs> I just love that they went to New York and freaking owned it and won. And like the underdog time, like uh, times 100, right? Yeah. Like no one's thinking Minnesota is going to come right. out against New York and Philadelphia who are so, so very precious about and Chicago too, I think, right? About their pizzas. <clears throat> and then Minnesota shows up. It was a pretty great moment. I happened to actually be filming there the next day or the day they were in New York. Oh, at, I was at Rectangle Malcolm oh, at Rectangle. Yards. Yeah. Because I'm filming a package for um, uh, plant-based eating for March. So I got like the manager because he's like, well, all our people are in Detroit. And I was like, this is great. So I got to try some of the gluten-free um, and vegan pizza options that they have at Rectangle in Malcolm Yards, which are also fantastic. I mean, it's What a just, moment for them. I know. And I think they played it so smartly because they did the breakfast pizza, you guys. Mm-hmm. Like, like you know, people, they like didn't just be like, this is us. This is so Minnesotan, actually. They didn't just say, this is us. We're the best. They said, what are you going to like? What are you, what are you, the morning eater? on the morning show who's probably been up since like Which is smart. 4 a.m. You know, and the people at Malcolm Yards were up since 1 a.m. You know, they said, they're like, what are you going to like? And they made a breakfast pizza and it was so good. I mean, like it looked so good. I so want to also them. shout out Red Wagon Pizza because yes, obviously Pete does a great job there too. And they're all friends apparently. Oh, so listen, they were like as excited for each other. The community is kind of tight. It's yeah. a weird little thing. Like, you know, Melt Pizza is opening officially in Stillwater this week. And that was a guy who just did pop-ups around town, right? And if you look at his announcement on Instagram, like, hey, we're finally opening on the, they're taking over the Lolito spot. Uh-huh. There, he's like, all the pizza guys are like, way to go, guy. Go yeah. get it. Congratulations. And you're like, that's very cool. You know who else is like that locally is hot sauce people. Oh, are they? I yeah. know two that hate each other, but I bet. Oh, like, I'm going to have to find out off the air because yeah. I know like five hot sauce people that are all so kind with each other. I think, I think, I think it has evolved into that in a good way. I think the bad seed is maybe no longer doing it anymore. I'm all not right, sure. I'm going to find out who the bad seed is yeah. during the break. During the break. Okay. <clears throat> also, um, <laughs> I was thinking about you so much because on Jason's show, we did a frozen taste test pizza segment. Oh, you did. And remember we did oh, yeah, this yeah, yeah. like you and I like 12 years ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, even longer, probably. It might have been the first year of our show. Probably. And we haven't done taste tests in a while. No, I know. And I was like, why aren't we doing more of these? They're fun. Well, because we don't have an oven. We don't have an oven. It's part of it. But uh, we did the taste test pizza. We did a lots of matzo breakfast, oh, which Kendall loved. Yeah. We did uh, Jack's, which everybody universally liked. It was actually the second place runner up 
Peggy's one. Okay. But Totino's, I it was they've remade Totino's pizzas into squares so that they can go into air fryers. These guys like had this whole nostalgia thing for the Totinos, which I just was not have. I I I was like, I can't eat that. It was terrible, uh, but they loved it. I know they and they were like with hot sauce. I and like after, you, so so you're saying that they admitted that this was a pizza from their past. They loved it. They gave it three and a, three point five. And of it's five. because of their past. I, I mean, I get so. that. Like I get that. Like I it get, just was giving them nostalgic feels, right? Like if you gave me a big bowl of Cheerios with like brown sugar on top, I'd probably be like. That's my every morning of first through fifth grade. Yes. And so, like, objectively, is that a great breakfast? No. But, like, you know, it is. And so yeah. you can't, it's hard to get past that. I don't have a Totino's place in my heart either. I don't, I just was like, well, I guess okay. mine would be Tombstone, but that's even, like, I don't have any, like, everything, Heggie's has overwritten all of my past source code from yeah. pizza in my past. Like, well, Heggie's is my favorite. And on my favorite part about so when I did a TV package before and they opened up my oven and it was full of like crusted on cheese on the bottom, that's completely from Heggie's. Yeah. And then this now I have like one of the oven liners, the Silpat liners, because someone told me I need to get the liner. So I did that. And it is pretty great because I can just rinse it off now when totally. the oven looks like heck. But, you know, someone was like, oh, I'm making a Heggie's right now and my whole kitchen's smoking up. And I was like, yes, because your kitchen always smokes it when should. you make a Heggie because I mean, right. the cheese drips down because onto the Because there's enough cheese. Yes. It's appropriate. I do like a lot of matzo. I'm not going to lie. That's what Kendall liked. I do like a lot of matzo because I am obviously, as we all know, a very heavy cheese advocate. Uh-huh. But um, they surprised me because I was kind of like, maybe they're just doing cheese and they're covering up for something. But they're not. I'm, I I think they're appropriate. But the Heggies will own my heart forever. I had a weird moment where I was, we went up north after the show last week. And we stopped at a convenience store way up north. And it was getting to be late. And I was like, I have food with us. But I'm just going to grab a frozen pizza in case we don't feel like cooking. Yeah. So I grabbed it. And then I had... A Swedish fish package, a nibs, and a <laughs> bottle of water. That was a small bottle of water. And I got to the counter, and they were like fifteen ninety nine. Yeah. And I'm looking, and I have four things, and I just paid. And then I waited for the receipt, and then I got to the car. I had bought. They have these now Jack's Pizza thins, so it's like half of the original Jack's Pizza thinner, literally with like less topping, less cheese, all the things. They charged me eight ninety nine for this pizza. $2.50 for the nibs. Yeah. $2.50 for the Swedish fish and like three bucks for this crappy bottle of water. I was Wait, like, God, have I not bought convenience store food in a long time? Are you, saying or is it was this... ex- are you feeling it's expensive or it's cheap? Expensive. Okay. I'm just like, actually, I'm just sitting here going, wait a minute. I don't know if you're saying this is too much or not enough. Too much. Okay. For all of it. And Everything. I still don't know because I don't convenience store shop a lot. I need to, I, I don't know if that's like normal. Is candy two fifty? Yeah. You don't buy candy. No, it's, I don't. You're thinking still back to when you could get like a Hershey Something bar for, for a quarter. 50 cents. Yeah. Nope. Remember when you could have like a dollar and you'd go down to Kenny's Market? We would ride my bike to <laughs> Kenny's, Market, Kenny's Market. And then I'd be like, okay, I can get three, four things for like a dollar. Stephanie. I mean, riding and then to I could Kenny's go to the market, beach. That's what we did too. Yeah. And then you put it in your pocket and you ride down to the beach instead of go to Long Bush Lake. Lake. Yeah. We went to Long Lake Beach. My friend uh, Renee would give me a buck. So yeah. she would do all the pedaling, yeah. and I would just sit, sit on, on the, the seat. She yeah. wouldn't even sit on the seat. Oh, she would stand pedal. Yeah. <laughs> she was badass. People tried to put me on the front, <laughs> like on the handlebars, and I was always like, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. Like, I hate this. Oh, that is so funny. Um, I have to tell you a pizza story now that since we're on this. Please. Besides the fact that it seems like a lot of pizza is being talked about. Um, I made a pan pizza in my cast iron <laughs> pan, and it was just a whim because I found I found in the back of my freezer... 
some some of that. What is the name of that frozen dough that people always talk about? The it starts with an R. I know oh, the glue. There's is it a the gluten free no, one? No, no, it's just a frozen these little like okay loaves of frozen dough. And I found a pizza dough in the back of the freezer that I think that the that Jake had brought his friends. They thought that he could make pizzas out of it, and it was like, no, it's frozen, dude. You need to let it sit out, right? So anyway, it's like rise. It's like an R. I'm gonna find it. Okay. Anyway, I mean, you listeners are all in on this. Anyway, I totally was like, well, I don't know. Maybe I should see if I can make some pizza out of it, and I let it sit on my counter. And then <clears throat> what I did was I just let it puff up and then I oiled my cast iron. I followed Zoe Bakes and the King Arthur flour yep. version of doing this. And I just stretched that little true dough. No, that's not it. Okay. Cause that's a local company. And no, this is not local. This good. is like, this is like processed foods. Okay. This All is right. not Delorio's Lamarca. Got it. It's an okay. R or something. And, um, we basically, I stretched it into the pan, oiled the pan, flipped it over a couple times. I coated it, and this is my new thing, you guys, the quesadilla cheese. It's the quesadilla cheese that you buy in a round puck, and I shredded that on top of the dough. I put tomatoes on top of that. I shredded more cheese on top of that, and then I put a bunch of spinach and prosciutto and everything on top of that. That sounds delicious. And that was, like, the puffiest thing I've ever eaten in my Did life. Did you get what... uh uh at Malcolm Yards, this woman, this random person eating who we talked to on camera. Did you get what she called the cheese skirt? Yes. Do you know about the cheese skirt? I don't know, but I've, if, if it's where the cheese is over the sides. Yes, yes. and creates like the crust on yeah, the they edge. Call those, they call it, they call those, oh, they call those the crunch shield or something like that. Yeah, she was like, well, do you have the cheese skirt? Like... I yeah. was like, uh, no, I'm not wearing a cheese skirt. No, not at the moment. <laughs> and she was laughing. She was like, no, it's not something you wear. It's something around the crust of your pizza. Like, yeah. Like, I don't think you just, you don't, like, with this kind of situation, and especially because it's in the pan, you do not need a border. You just put the cheese over everything because it's yeah. also going to get crispy on the sides. Yum. Oh, my God. It was so delicious. That is so funny. I feel real weird about the fact that it was such puffy white bread, though, because I don't ever eat that. Was it good? It was so good. But yeah, I can, I mean, from a calorie perspective, sometimes when you get those big puffy white bread pizzas, you're like, Brr. yeah, I know. And you can only eat like one or two pieces because you kind of, it's like drinking a beer. almost. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Well, that was it. I, I basically <laughs> had it in your yeah, stomach. I had two pieces and then I was like, all right, the rest out. <laughs> for the rest of the week, I have to eat off half of them. You know yes. what I mean? Oh, that's funny. I know. All right. Well, we have a great show coming up for you. We are going to talk. uh, Oh, Chanhassen Prom. Let me just touch on that. Okay. Let me just quick. It's Rhodes. R-H-O-D-E-S. Oh, Rhodes. Yes. I love those Rhodes rolls. The dinner rolls are the rolls I make at Thanksgiving. So no one has to be screaming at your car anymore. Go ahead. Okay. I'm going to wait. I'm going to talk about Chanhassen and the locals we love at the end just so I can give it its due because it was pretty cute. Oh, good. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. uh, We're coming back. Stephanie's got some restaurant week talk. We're going to talk about uh, butchering chickens, which was real fun when we come back on this week's Weekly Dish. In the first few weeks of any new year, an estimated 23% of people fall off the resolution wagon. It could be the beckoning lights of a drive-thru. Or winter fatigue. But it's not too late to get back on. Buy one month at YMCA now and get another for free. We're a community of real people who can help you hang on. Learn more at ymcanorth.org. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, shout out to uh, my mom. It's her birthday. Happy birthday. Happy mom. birthday, Oma. And also to uh, Dr. Dre, whose also birthday it is. <laughs> Hooray. 
Two Aquarians, I gotta tell you. Yes. Um, all right, you guys, it is restaurant week next week. And we haven't talked about restaurant week in a long time because, well, the last one was in October. But I feel like it's uh I I feel like I had to we had to talk about it today because there are, you know, after about twenty years of this, almost nearly two decades of this, there is uh finally not finally, but there's like a whole bunch of new people. Yeah, let's coming talk about to it. it. And I, I feel thought, like it, there are a whole bunch of new restaurants. Like, yeah, I get all the roundups, and I'm like, oh wow, there's so many places now to just be paying attention to and to be trying to get to. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of you know, I mean, like it's a kind of a swelling of a lot of places after they've closed, and there's time, and then there's uh, from the pandemic, there was a lot. There's still a lot of real estate out there. Yeah. Whether that real estate is affordable or not, and to whom is a whole other topic. But I do think that there's a lot of great stuff happening. Um, I wanted to shout out that there's like, you know, fifty some restaurants in Restaurant Week. This happens on the 20th through the 26th, so all next week. Of course, I'm gone. I know. I know. Always gone during Restaurant I Week. I know. And then, um, and you know, the deal is, you guys, you don't have to make reservations at places. You may want to for some of them. Um, because they do tend to fill up. They are, and you can, a lot of places have lunch or dinner. Some places will even do takeout on the restaurant week deal. Okay. So if you find that you can't get a spot, you can still get takeout. Remember, these are two and three courses, lunches and dinners. And they go anywhere from like $10 to $45. Like, but I mean, still, if you consider like what you're just saying about your convenience store hall being $15, yeah. Think of that three-course meal as being $30. Well, someone, we were talking about that at um, at Malcolm Yards. Like, if you've, have you had a McDonald's, like, drive through hamburger recently? Not in, like, 10, 15 years. Okay. Occasionally <laughs> like on Culver's, the road, I might. Culver's. How much is a Culver's now? Very expensive. Yeah, like, uh, 20 McDonald's bucks. is, like, five ninety nine. Yeah. For a Big Mac, I think. That's I'm gonna. A, that's still really cheap for something that's supposed to be beef. Okay, but to go from a 99 cent. Oh, was it 99? It used to be. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to look it up. You keep going with Restaurant Week. All right, we're going to get back on Restaurant Week. So I wanted to shout out that uh, I did a little pics, uh, you know, blog just because I walk, because I kind of troll through the menus on the site, which is on MSPMag.com. And I troll through the menus and I kind of look to see what's what's good Um, and what I'm like, what really sparks me. And I got to tell you, there's a couple of the new kids I've already kind of talked about. The Lynn Hall is new this year. Into They're coming into it. And they have a $25 three-course lunch that I'm excited by this sunchoke mushroom soup. Oh, and, I've had it. Yeah, followed by a grilled halloumi sandwich. Okay, like, that soup that, is That, to me, great. is 100% what I want to go for. They have a $45 three-course dinner, and they've got, they've got pickled scotch eggs. Um, and Yum. then you could do that and fish chips, but you could do this fennel-cured whitefish, which that sounds good to me, doesn't it? I don't think of them for dinner, so I'm glad that we're having this conversation because exactly. I love to go there for coffee or a bite in the morning. Yeah. Or midday, just, you know, for a cup of tea. Yeah, no, they brought back dinner now at the, at the at the Lindale Avenue location. And, like, your entrees, you can get a rump steak that's with grilled broccolini and mushroom polenta. That mushroom polenta is nutso. It's so good. Okay. They have a sweet potato gnocchi with smoked mozzarella and mushrooms, or they've got fish and chips. So... Those things alone, like those three things alone are, are choices that you could have. So go with your friends and get a couple things. And that's how I would like to work that. Um, I have to shout out the Nicola Diner because I still think yeah. this is a nutso deal. They have three courses for $15. Woo, woo. Three courses for $15. But here's the kicker. This is a 24-hour spot. Then like, the old itchy bonds, you guys. Yeah. And it's like the fact that it's a 24-hour spot is very important because we don't really have those anymore. It's just kind of a dying yeah. thing. 
So, I mean, you can start with a quesadilla, you can start with wings, but they have got a crazy amount of things that you can add into the middle there. You have like uh, steak and eggs, you have chicken fried chicken, you have eggs benedict, you can go chicken bis- fried chicken. That's funny. It's uh, that one is uh, chicken breast pounded thin, golden fried, smothered in country gravy, Yum. served with eggs, any style, and hash browns. I mean, like, this is the thing. This is a massive plate Yum. of food, you guys. This is $15 plus you get, like, an appetizer, and then you can get um, a milkshake, which is your dessert. Yum. So that's at the Nicollet, and you can have it at 3 a.m. You could go anytime. I mean, it's kind of crazy that way. Um, another new one that I wanted to point out was, um, well, Red Wagon. We were just yeah, talking we about Yeah, we just them. talked about Red Wagon Pizza. They're on, uh, they're, they're on the list. They have a t- $10 two-course lunch, which is a salad and that sandwich I love, and I think that's amazing and worth it. You should go do that. And you can take that out. You can get that to go. So you should do that. And they have a $35 three-course dinner. And it's they're keeping it straight. There's not options. If you're not if you're crippled by choice, they've got a salad, a lasagna, and a banana cream pie. Boom. Done. Here's one that I'm so excited that oh, has... St. Genevieve. I is know. that what you're going to say? Because yes. I just saw this and I'm like, darn it! Three-course for 45 bucks? You guys, that's not Duck Riette, tomato tartatan, and a sherry caramel gnocchi and a mushroom beurre blanc. I know. You're not going to get a steak au poivre. Uh, poivre. You're not going to get the moulet frites for under 45 bucks. And then you're also going to get lemon meringue tart. Come on. Yeah. This is nuts. Um, Also, Tilia, by the way, he's also brought Tilia back on, which is sort of one of those things like if you haven't been back to Tilia in a long time, this is a great idea. They've got, you know, he's got a panzanella with pink lady apples and garnet yam. Oh, my God. Yes. And then they're doing this uh, winter squash risotto with burrata. And so, okay, have that. But they've also got the cheeseburger, which is a legendary cheeseburger on this menu. And that's a $45 menu. We had book club. We did a live broadcast there a couple weeks ago and everybody was having the brunch. Yes. They have a two course $15 brunch. And you guys, we saw that brunch. It was good. Yeah. That's a breakfast salad, that breakfast salad. And then you just get dessert, which is like, yes, let's, why not? Let's do that. Um, important to know, like the Broders Cucina, always able to get that to go. Um, they are, their dinner, the $22 dinner, you can get a small Caesar, I know, to go, and then you get rigatoni, you get guanciale with guanciale, you can do the cheese manicotti, and then you can do like a cappuccino brownie to go, 22 bucks, $22. That's great for to go. It's silly. It's a silly, amazing deal. Um, and then I want to shout out, of course, we know, and we all love the bungalow club, and this is where I think you should go and think about... Like leveling up, right? Yep. So you get your forty-five dollar dinner, and this one is also available for takeout. But to me, this is a this is better when you're in. You do the char crudo, which is you know got a little big cured egg and some dill crumb fresh. Then you do like the stuffed meatballs with mozzarella and pickles, tart cherry jus, oh, or the risotto. And then I think you add on an optional pasta course. Because they do pasta so well there. I feel like we are really mean right now because we are like, it's 930 and we are making everybody so hungry. (laughs) Okay. I'm just going to say that I literally was looking at the lasagna Bianca, which has squash and Fontina and sage and pepitas. That's one of my favorite bites from there. And I was literally thinking if I had that for breakfast, I would absolutely, if that was in my fridge, I would eat that for breakfast. Okay, say that again, lasagna bianca, because yes, I think squash. I need to go and have that you right do. now. <laughs> it's squash, and it's got that fontina cheese, which is so rich and, and for beautiful. you to say it was one of your best bites, because that rivals the mushroom taco that I, I had at Suki and Mimi, which and was my best bite last year. See, and it's, and it's, it's just, and it's vegetarian, okay. and it's so good. Sage and pepitas, Yum. those are three things I really love together. So, there we go, you guys. There's lots of things that are, oh, I still have a couple minutes. I want to make, there's one other one I sh- wanted to shout out. Oh, I wanted to shout out uh, 
uh, a mason jar in Egan because those guys are really good. They're always they love restaurant meat. They show up and they're one of those places that you can find food like for everybody. They've got a nice uh-huh. rounded out thing. The bigger thing that I always love about them is that they put the the tater tot hot dish on here. And there's no restaurants, you guys, that do tater tot hot dish. Yeah. That's a thing that comes out of your mom's kitchen or out of yours. And I love the fact that they always put it on there. And it's just the seasoned ground beef, corn, house-made cream of mushroom, tater tots, topped with cheddar cheese. They do have a Beyond Meat version. So they have a vegan version if you need it. Um, But they also have pot roast. They've got butternut squash ravioli. It's just really homey if you're looking for something like that you're kind of like. I'm curious about this Pivo River place that took over a wild cafe. Yes. So they've got a two-course lunch with French toast, hot apple, maple benedict, biscuits and gravy, or a 30-course, three-course dinner with lump crab cake, Thai mussels, seafood etouffee. Yeah. Salt creme, salted creme brulee. That's you fun. Know, I can't wait to try that. New we spot. had the uh, we had the short rib stroganoff on oh, no. air, um, and I'll just say that that was like Hannah's favorite thing ever. So okay, because really you brought food into Fox yesterday. That's what that was. That's what that was. All right, you guys. So there it is. You can go and look at uh, mspmag.com and find the restaurant week deals there. Get ready for it. Hey, everybody! Welcome back to Weekly Dish on my Talk 1071. I'm Steph March. I'm here with. Stephanie Hansen. Hello. And we are being joined by uh, a, a, a new friend, a new lady butcher friend named Chekka Parks. Are you there, Chekka? I'm here. Woohoo! Welcome to the show. You guys, hey. I don't know if you saw my posting on Instagram yesterday. I'm sorry that I put up raw chicken on a Friday night. Why are we sorry? But I'm not sorry because <laughs> we have, and we had this discussion because we wanted to talk about, you know, facing like the skills that we kind of can't leave behind. So, we have, uh, so Ms. Checka Parks is here. She's with the Minneapolis Meat Collective, and she taught us how to break down a bird this week, and we had so much fun. Thank you so much for that. Yes, you all did such a good job. Oh, well, I mean, honestly, we are, you know, people who are home cooks are, uh, I think sometimes we just question ourselves because we don't have anybody around yelling at us to do it better or do it differently, right? So we just right. do it the way we do it. But Checka, talk a little bit about, the, what is the Minneapolis Meat Collective, and what is your mission? So the Minneapolis Meat Collective is basically a traveling butchering school. And when I, I learned how to butcher at the Seward Co-op in Minneapolis, and during that time I had come across a national movement um, called the Meat Collective Movement. Um, I had read a book by a author, Camus Davis, called Killing It, And it was her journey um, traveling over to Europe and learning sort of whole carcass butchery, more European style, but then bringing it back to Portland, where she's from. She started the Portland Meat Collective, and that was over 10 years ago. Wow. So the Meat Collective movement was something that I sort of stumbled across basically through Camus Davis. And um, the Good Meat Project is her national organization, and it has so much info, so much beautiful, like, um, people, communities, and there wasn't really much going on in Minneapolis. People had tried to start collectives in the past. Um, the meat community in the Twin Cities is actually pretty tight, pretty yeah. small. Everybody knows each other. So I decided just to try, and basically I just tried starting backyard chicken breakdown classes at my house here in South Minneapolis, and I basically started it for three reasons. Um, the first one was to bring butchers to the front. Mm-hmm. So often in our food system, we just don't know where it's processed. We, 
we maybe are a little anxious to talk to the person behind the counter, um, the person in the white coat. And as a grocery, as a grocery shopper, you're going through quickly and you're just picking up your chicken bits and then moving on. Yeah. Um, and the butchers are usually in the back and they usually have a lot of work to do. So they don't have time to talk with customers. Um, so I want to bring butchers and meat cutters and processors and meat artisans to the front because they're such an important part of the food system um, when it comes to meat. And then I wanted to connect consumers to locally fresh, um, locally raised fresh meat and have another avenue for farmers to have um, just direct marketing to consumers. So all the meat that I get is personal relationships that I have with farmers around um, the sort of central Twin Cities, Minnesota, and a little bit in Wisconsin. And then the last one, which I think, Stephanie, you spoke to, is demystifying meat for everyday cooks. Yes. Um, to break it, literally break it down, get your hands on it. It's like adult sensory <laughs> playtime. And to just see where all the pieces come from and how to and to also realize that you can do it yourself and it doesn't have to be a professional. And actually, before we took butchering out of the everyday home and everyday farm, it was the teenagers and the grandmas who were breaking down the chickens and yeah. killing the chickens. And we, we commented that both our grandmas and my husband's mom and even my mom knew how to break down a chicken. Oh, yeah. I my remember her doing chickens. it in the kitchen. Right. And it's and yeah. it can be economical too because if you learn how to break yeah. down a chicken, you have three meals probably, and you've mm-hmm. got the bones and you've got all of the pieces that you can use for broths and soups. And I was interested yeah. in it. Just you know, I read somewhere once that you should learn how to handle meat if you eat meat. Yeah, and I kind of believe mm. in that, even though yeah. it can be a little creepy to touch the cold chicken skin <laughs> and you know there's some yeah. stuff you gotta kind of <laughs> put your gloves on. Also, knife yeah. skills, I think, are important, and you taught us some of that. I think there's, and yeah, yeah, having that, you know, we talked about it as being a hypocritical carnivore. I think about that all the time. I'm right. not necessarily, I'm not ready to get into that space where I'm going to go out and actually kill my own meat yet, but that mm-hmm. also is part of my interest in, in the eventual chain of my understanding and really being a meat consumer, right? But the least yeah. I can do, I figure, is figure out how to handle and respect, you know, the bird in itself. So... Chuck, yeah. do you find that people are, um, do you find that people just sort of take for granted the, because they're so used to buying processed things that it's like they don't really understand like how a bird works and what parts are what parts? Absolutely. Yeah. And with the boneless, skinless chicken breast craze. Right. Like, and I think the pandemic was a huge learning curve for everybody. And we learned that the system does not work. It works until it doesn't. Basically. Right, right. And, um, whole chickens were something that we were always long on. So like long on, meaning we just had a lot of them in the store. Yeah. But during the pandemic, when we literally ran out of chicken, people had to buy whole chickens. And we got a lot of questions about how do you deal with this? Can you do this for me? Yeah. Um, and what I love about the classes is seeing those aha moments, people realizing that a chicken tender is actually a part of the chicken. Yeah. And that um, where the bones are, where the joints are, like, the empowerment I think that people walk away with, just having that little bit of knowledge, it is basically the gateway meat because a lot of folks <laughs> will start with chicken and then work towards turkey and then go to pork and then maybe try lamb and try beef. And once you get into the larger animals, it just opens up a whole world of anatomy. Um, 
And I find it fascinating and I love teaching people. So do you, let's talk about, let's talk about the method. So you're basically holding classes in people's homes and in the summertime you're doing it in a backyard, maybe perchance, but talk a little bit about what that feels like and looks like when that happens. So the, I also have like commercial kitchens I work out of. Okay. So I'm traveling. So I'm moving from, you know, I was at, we were at a private event the other night. I was at my, uh, commercial kitchen space, doing a lamb class last weekend. And people sign up for the class through me. They come. I buy the animal. Everybody goes home with the meat. And then I try to continue to stay in touch with people because really what I want to do is, like, build a community around mastering meat. Right. Um, and it's really important to me where the meat comes from. It's really important to me that the people that took the time to raise it have a name and a face. And um, that's something that I'm going to try to continue to bring into all of my classes in the future. And honestly, people are just really excited for like an alternative, I think an alternative economic stream, an alternative way to learn something. Um, So I right now my classes are selling out, which is great. And I'm hoping to maybe expand and be at farmer's markets this summer. How do people find your classes? How do they sign up for the classes? Yeah. They go to the website, and right now I'm working through Eventbrite. So you um, get your ticket on Eventbrite, and then we deal with payment at the class. Um, my website is MPLS Meat Collective, and then my Instagram handling is meat underscore musings, and that's where I do most of my like marketing and putting the word out there. Well, and- um, But I will be at a few different farmer's markets this summer with the booth, and I'm excited to just talk with people in the community. With I'll be under sort of an Ask, a, ask the Butcher I think, and that's so cool to be able to have a a resource like Ask the Butcher. So you can say, we were saying like some people call in and they're like, we all talk about pulled pork and we all talk about, but it is true when you go to the meat, even to the meat counter and you see it says pork shoulder and then it says pork butt. And then it's like, is this a pork roast? Yeah. And And they're all different. Well, not all different, but a lot different. But they may be called different things. And it's like, that would be lovely to have someone like you in your side pocket being Mm -hmm. like, here, this is this and that is that. So... That's kind of marvelous. But I also have to shout out to the fact that communal and the community aspect of that class we took. So we got there. We had some, you know, we had some vino and we had some snacks, which is great. And then we got into, we each had a cutting board facing each other. We were learning Mm -hmm. together and like everyone Mm -hmm. had like different feels about it. You know, if you hear the cracking of the bones, you know, you have moments (laughs) or, but you feel confident and you can watch what somebody else is doing. And so I think for friend groups, I think this is a great idea. I'm totally going to do this again. Yeah. And you, oh, great. you made so the great point of like buying a chicken maybe once a month. I think that's about what I'll use. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, like stop being a pansy. Just, just get your <laughs> knives out and just do it and learn how to handle this meat. And I'm, yeah, I was really excited about it. And Stephanie made your, did you roast yeah. your chicken? So Stephanie? last night, so at the end of the class, you guys, we put the checker gave us two big ba- plastic bags. We put the bones and stuff in one side and we had the chicken marinating, the good pieces marinating in um, buttermilk and salt on the other side, in the other bag. Mm-hmm. So I cooked it last night. I just threw it all into a, a skillet, in a cast iron skillet, and I shoved it into my oven nice. at 425, I think. And then I lowered it to 400. And it was delicious. And it was, I put it on top of some spinach noodles that I'd made. And I was like, oh, nice. I know, I just ate the two thighs. I still have the breasts, the legs. All the wings, everything else still is still to go. And that was already, mm-hmm. that's perfect. 
So totally, it's I think it's so, similar to how a gardener feels when they cook their vegetables. Yeah, like, exactly. When you've broken down a chicken, you have a little bit more like I had a part in this. Yeah. Um, Exactly. And it. even like chicken wings. Yeah. The wing and the drummy right. are always, if you buy a whole chicken wing at the grocery store, it's way cheaper than the separated. Mm-hmm. And like now I know how I can just separate those myself. Yeah. You can just bing bing. Totally. Uh-huh. Marvelous. All right, you guys, it's been Checka Parks with the Minneapolis Meat Collective. Thank you for being with us today, Checka. We're going to put all your information up on the website, you guys, so that you oh, can take you. classes if you want. But definitely like follow her on Instagram because you're going to want to know stuff. It was fun. Have a great day, lady. It was so fun. Thanks, Thanks. Bye now. We'll be right back. All right, Stephanie, can I just, we're at the Ask Stephanie portion of the show, 651-641-1071. If you want to call in and talk about things you ate this week, about your feelings about cold chicken on your hands, about uh, About restaurant week, about frozen pizzas. I just did want to tell you, I looked up. So a regular like Big Mac is $4.99. And then you get like if you want the Big Mac burger with bacon, it's six forty nine. It's still so ridiculously cheap. Okay, but it's so cheap. I don't want to disagree with you because I think the general context is okay, as we as say. consumers view food too cheaply and don't see its value. So that aside, it is still a like. Wait, 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 wait. So what was it and what is it? Oh, as consumers, no, no. I don't think what was it, the prices you were four ninety nine for a Big Mac, and then it went, and up then to the six... Mac burger with bacon is six forty nine. To be paying six dollars and forty nine cents for a fast food puck on a crappy bun, like that just gets me. Why don't okay. I just go got to a it, restaurant and it. order a burger that's going to be legitimately better? Um, yeah, but I mean, you're not going to get anything in a restaurant for six forty nine. Is my point? Well, you're going to find that that's an impossible I price. Know burgers are not for actual beef. Bucks. Beef is so expensive. I know, I know, and that's I where sound I'm going like... with that. But I mean, and I and I when I say cheap, you know, I this in this instance, I do mean that because I don't. That food is so commoditized. It's not. We're talking with Chaka, who's like connecting people to, you know, the farm, and we're talking about econ- economizing with your chicken. But that's real chicken, really well raised chicken that we're talking about. The right. difference between that and mass production of commoditized food is different. Yeah. So and a whole organic chicken was eleven bucks, and we and, broke it down. And to be clear, just so you guys know, the the class we spent forty bucks per person on that class, mm-hmm. just for scale and understanding. But again, we got there. It was two hour, two and a half hours. Yeah. And we got, we walked away, we had drinks and we had snacks. And then we walked away with two bags of chicken, like bones and chicken meat. It was pretty fun. I don't know. I felt good about that. Uh, it would be something my daughter Ellie would like. I it might be would. a good gift idea too for people so too. that like to cook at home. Well, and let me be very clear: like if you feel like you know I've done chickens, I'm all on chickens. Listen, I am signing up with Chaka to do. I want to do a. I want to do like a hog. I want to do a goat. I want to learn all those things. There was a lady there that do. You, I, I think yeah. Was she Indian? Maybe. Yeah. She was talking about um, that they eat a lot of goat in her family. And that she wants to learn how to do the goat. And her I was dad, like, okay. remember, her dad was like yeah. a butcher. He like he loves butchering meat. He's like the That's community like neighbor. He runs yeah. around with his giant cleaver and helps people butcher their stuff. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Six five one six four one one zero seven one. While we're uh, waiting for calls, whether they come or not, I want to tell you about something else that happened this week. Oh, okay. What? I interviewed this lady, Sylvia Bigar is her name, and the book is called Cassoulet Confessions. Is is it is it local or? She's not local. Okay. It's this little tiny memoir. It's about 150 pages about her obsession and love with cassoulet. 
But I found out about her because my friend Morgan Baum from Clay Coyote, which is in Hutchinson, Minnesota, that makes pottery. Oh, I've seen this book. They make a vessel that is the vessel that you cook cassoulet in, which is the French casserole Uh called a cassole. Yeah. So she's doing an event that's going to be happening where she's going to be speaking with Morgan. Also, Lynn Rosetto Casper is hosting it. It's going to be at Alliance Francaise. There will be Vincent Francoul there all talking about the love of cassoulet. And it will be on, I'm just going to give you the information. You know what? I'm going to post it on our Facebook page. Yeah, do it. And just a quick reminder, if you're looking for things that we talk about and we say we've posted it, you're going to look for that on the Weekly Dish MN Facebook page. This That's looks where we like have most of our information. A food tourism, like if you like if you want to be in France with her, like it is, like but it's also like a kind of dysfunctional family memoir. Oh, great! Which yeah. also I love. Carcassonne. She talks about oh, this is you know being in Toulon. Oh, I love this. So the this tickets are sixty dollars, and I'm going to just go ahead and tell you. I think the date is February 26th, but I want to make sure. That I give you the right date. Oh, that's great. She was just really fun to talk to. And yeah. she just, oh, it's Monday, February 27th. She was just saying that like her whole life, cassoulet was just roaming around in her brain and the times that she'd had it. And I just really enjoyed talking with her. She's also a travel writer. So you're right. You do get this sense you, of. Says, like she titles her chapters by the city in France, which is just sort of perfect and lovely. Yep. Oh, good. I'm going to take a picture of this. So, yeah. So that was a a good book. Oh, we've got some calls on the line. I'm going to go ahead and start with Roberta. Hi, Roberta. Did you have a question for us today, Roberta? Oop. Hey there. Sorry. Hi, Roberta. Hi there. Can we help you? I learned at my mother's knee it was the cheapest way to learn how to break down a chicken. Oh, great. She taught all three of her kids. It's an important skill, don't you think? It really, really, really is. And you, like you said, you get everything out of the chicken. Yeah, and you really use all the pieces and the parts. I and think if you, yeah, you're, if you have hands-on with it, you kind of see it differently. I, I've known how to do it since I was 10. Okay, I love it. 10 years old. Thanks for calling in, Roberta. Um, we have bye. Chris. Yeah, bye-bye. We have Chris on the line. Hi, Chris. You're on Weekly Dish Live. What can we help you with? Well, hi, Stephanie. Hello. Hi. I am roasting for the second time in my life, so I am kind of forgetting how I did it the first time. But Stephanie Hansen, it's called a fleska sty. Have you ever heard of this? A fleska sty. A fleska sty with a st. It's a. I couldn't spell it for you though if I tried. But it's a. It's a, a pork roast, but you know with the tenderloin, and it's got like an inch of fat left on top. The fat cap. Yeah. That renders through, you know, um, a Jewish friend of mine described it as brisket for Christians. Oh, Uh, yes, I have done this. Okay, so did you debone it first? No, I didn't. But, you know, uh, my uh, Danish friend who gets it for me, uh, he debones it, but... I'm just like, I don't think I did the first time, and I think bones are our friends. Yes, and also I think, like, Jamie Oliver has some good recipes for these types of roasts Mm -hmm. and and how to rub them and kind of use the bones on the fat cap to your advantage because pork is typically kind of dry. Right. If you Um, overcook it. No, this is amazing, and what I do is I score it on the top, put a whole bunch of salt on it, and stick some bay leaves in the cracks and, and... you know, two hours and Bob's your uncle. Oh, I love that. That's so good. 
I'm not going to debone. Thank you, lady. No, don't yeah. do it. Don't and do it. it's also a presentation thing, like, you know, how you want to serve it and yeah. do you want to serve it with the bone? It's or, closer yeah. to the bone is so much yummier stuff. And use your bones to make stock afterwards right. or do That's something. Like roast the bone and then put it White in a... White beans. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Do that. Okay. Yes, ma'am. All right. I love it. 651 <laughs> uh, Hi, Cindy. You are live on the line with Weekly Dish. What can we help you with today? Hi, oh, Cindy. Hi. Oh, Hi. Um, yeah, a couple questions. Sure. Um, first, a comment. My mother used to make bread for that Rhodes bread, so um, great memory. Yeah. And two questions. I bought this, um, all, well, it's called Alderwood Beef Sirloin Roast from London Byerly's. I've had it in my freezer since the holidays. It has rosemary, black pepper, garlic. Could I make um, beef stroganoff out of that? Yes. Or would it be best to just make it as is with the flavor, you know? Well, this one is going to be, if it's a beef sirloin roast, it's probably not going to, well, yeah, you can yeah. cut it into into pieces and stuff. I'm just, it's not going to pull like a, like a pot roast kind of won't, but it's oh, beef. Okay. Yeah. But it's, it's more of like that, that Got it. you know what I mean? Like yes. it's not going to have that, that cut, that area where it, it's going to be a little bit more shreddy. It depends, but you could definitely cut that one into chunks and make it, if that's how you're thinking the stroke it off should be. Okay. What, it, what, it, what do you um, want it to be? Like, are you craving stroganoff? Are you craving big yeah, chunks yeah, of meat? Yeah. And yeah, do it. Okay. Totally would and do then, it. My other question along the line of chicken. And, um, Cindy, I'm, I'm going to have you like, hold on a second because sure. we've got another call. We'll take you on the opposite side of the break. We're going to take okay, this break good. and we'll answer your second question and also Annie's question when we come back on Weekly Dish.